In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. This is the miseducation of Lauren Hill. All right, all right. Settle down, everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a long bell. Uh, all right, everybody. Settle down. Let me take uh, attendance here real quick. Uh, just say here if you're here. Uh, Russell? Here. Aaron? Here. It's my teacher mode. Matt? Uh, here. All right. So you guys are all in this special class because the school has decided that you guys are a bunch of sick freaks. And you're hot for teacher. Okay? So I'm here for this after-school training class. I want to ask you, do you think this is hot? Oh, yeah. Do you think this is hot when I do this with my legs like this? Huh? You want to say something, you sick freaks out there? Oh, yeah. What the hell is happening? When you want to hear about the what? How we got through the attendance and we didn't get one Bueller Bueller joke is beyond me. Well, I noticed you guys weren't exactly saying a lot during that to help me out. <laughs> Roll call is supposed to come after the intro, Rob. After the intro. Yeah, that's true. All right, we already took roll call, but this is Beck did it better. Let me welcome you to, let me welcome, yeah, guess what? I am welcoming you to my co-host. This time I'm bringing you in. The co-host and I have already been here for about an hour. Uh... Let's say these are the three guys who have kept texting me this week separately, and they all ask me, what does that thing mean in the song? Mm. Mm. So <laughs> I've had to explain that a couple times to the whole crew. Uh, I got Russ in Minnesota. Russ, how are you doing? Rob, I treat this podcast like my thesis. Well-written lists and back, cons- back comparisons broken down into pieces. I introduce, then produce words so profuse. Oh my gosh, Russ! That was, the the lyrics were brilliant. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm shocked that you came up with it. Originals. Aaron in Oaktown, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm here. I'm impressed that Russell managed to avoid you uh, in his uh, quotes from the album. Good job, Russell. <laughs> nice work. That didn't come. Yeah, right. Edit that out. That, that didn't come out right. More editing for me. <laughs> no, I'm gonna edit that in, and it's also gonna be the intro. Just that over and over. I was gonna make a joke minutes. about yeah, trying to me, sing that along makes with me this. Sound really bad. That I know. That no, messed. I, I that's messed that up. Go. Yeah. No, nope, that's good. I'm going to reference <laughs> it later. That, no, that has to go. All I right, was trying to make man. a joke about trying to sing along with this album. You got to bleep yourself out when you're in your own car. Damn it. You're I'm just sorry, saying Russell. your dad is proud of you. So, uh, uh, Matt, how are you doing? <laughs> Great, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thank you for not saying anything controversial. All right. So, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, you know what? We're going to start today, believe it or not, two weeks in a row. We've got a. Voicemail to the Beck line, 802-277-BECK. Oh, Oh, yeah, and i got to push this button. Hey, it's my favorite Beck boys. It's Sarah from Minnesota. Mm. Had to call in with just a couple of things. Um, Number one, we also do not own a microwave. So there are other people in the world that do not own microwaves. We enjoy heating things up in a toaster oven or on the stovetop, and we... Make popcorn in a whirly pop, old fashioned. Um, Nobody I'm enjoys also, eating stuff up in a toaster thing, oven. Wanted to call in. I'm content being single. And this is a little bit more serious, I guess. Uh, just a little bit of constructive criticism. Uh, in the last oh, no. couple of episodes, I've noticed oh, no. a huge increase 
um, a rapid increase of saying that a song bangs. And oh. while when you first started using Bangers. that phrase, I thought, comes wow, a great compliment that to us. makes them sound really like they know what they're talking about. And yes. I love that. But the Einsteins the of podcasting happening, as I said, in the last couple of episodes, I'm feeling a little bit like it kind of takes away from the actual banginess of a song that might actually bang. <laughs> Hopefully that makes sense. Anyway, Jim Horn for life. He bangs. All right. So once again, it's a female voicemail caller criticizing us. <laughs> So essentially, my understanding is she thinks the fact that we say the song bangs takes away from the fact that it actually bangs. Well, I was doing some research into this, and what I realized is that when uh, I was listening to the Fleetwood Mac, I went back and listened to all our episodes. I was listening to Fleetwood Mac. I did say this song bangs, this album bangs. I said it a number of times. They're bangers. They're bangers. But I'm going to stand by it. Those were bangers. I don't know what else to say. I, how, I mean... They're all bangers. If you are, if you have songs as good as Fleetwood Mac's on Rumors, I'll, what can I say? They're certified bangers. That whole album bangs. <laughs> Stevie Nicks' hair. She's got bangs. They bang. <laughs> hey, Fleetwood Mac, what's he playing? A drum. Well, guess how he plays it? He bangs it. He, he bangs it. Okay, well, he stepped on that a little bit. I'll edit that in post. All right, so, you know, normally I think we would go to the joke apology sound clip and we'd play it. We'd laugh, okay? Aaron, do you think we should play the joke apology sound clip? I'm not sure we need to apologize. I feel like we could probably figure out another way to, we could probably come up with something else. Aaron texted me and said, please play this apology sound clip. But Aaron, you know, that's swearing at a woman and I'm against that. That's sick that you would want to do that. (laughs) So instead, I decided we would make a Beck Did It Better playlist. It's got all our favorite songs on there. This is going out to Sarah. Uh, I want to play this as an apology. I'm just going to say that these songs really, really rock. Okay, I think they're songs, and I think that she's going to really like them. So here's here's one of my first songs that I really, really love. Don't come knocking on my back door. Bang, bang, baby. Lying on the floor. Bang, bang, baby. I mean, this song is a groove. Bang, bang, baby. The song pops. It pops. This yeah. is off the album Beach Sleeper by Desiree Cannon from Oakland, California. Of course, this is the one Aaron sent in. I had to like do a deep You're dive. You're going in I, reverse order, right? So you got your top five, and that was number five. Yeah, that was that number was, five. This is this okay. is so. All right, these are this is number four on the songs that are randomly put together, no theme to them whatsoever. We just thought Sarah would like them. Let's see what this one is. Mm. It's a little share coming at you. Share, ooh, share. Nancy Sinatra song. Wow. Oh, I like it. This song. Ooh, this song. Maybe it has the word bang in the title. This song rocks. rocks the house, this, kind this of. Song, don't rocks. you think? It rocks. It Aaron, rocks. aren't you catching what we're doing? This song slaps. Maybe, maybe you could play along too, Aaron, and help out a little bit. <laughs> All right. I found randomly this song. You know, I, I wanted to include something. You know, when I'm doing a best of list, I've got to include They Might Be Giants, one of my favorite bands of mm. all time. Bangs Here's, above your oh. eyes, you <laughs> I love this song, guys. You know, this song to me, it kind of. Whale kind of grooves, yeah, it kind of does whale a little bit. It, it whales, whales and it grooves. I think, I think it, it does both. Very whaling. Aaron, do you have something clever to say? I think it knocks. This one knocks. Oh, there we go. Nice. I like knocks. All right. The next one, I've got uh, T Rex. Okay, both a band and a dinosaur. By the way, a lot of people don't know. Oh, yes. 
Okay. I think Sarah's going to love this song. This goes on the Beck Did It Better uh, mixtape that we're making for her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this thumps. This thumps. You know what? I'm going to say. You hear that thump there? I think it thumps. I think this kind of whips. This one's a tapper. I can't tell if it thumps or it thuds. One of the two. It might thud. I'll tell you what, though. If you're looking for a song that you're really going to love, let's go to number one on my playlist. Okay? And I'm going to say this song. It slaps. Oh, Oh, let's hear a slap. Let's hear one that slaps. This is William Hung, of course, hitting a Ricky Martin. (laughs) Oh, yes! This pounds. I mean, this is pounding right now. This one's, yeah, it's pounding. I just can't think of the right word for this song. It's just this. This pounds so hard, it's going to leave a wealth in my heart afterwards. What is he talking about when he says she bangs? I don't know. He keeps thwacking some instrument. I can't really tell what's going on. Now, I do want to say this. Okay, so all jokes aside. Okay? Unless you're as dumb as a rock, you probably get what we're doing. I just want to play the song. I want to play wait, the song. Are, what, wait, wait a minute. Wait, what are we doing? Say that, Rob. What are we doing? I'm actually gonna preempt. I'm gonna preemptively oh. do this. That was Aaron's left field taken. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we obviously did a whole friggin' joke about bags, right? <laughs> Listen to the fucking song that Aaron sends me. He like emails me the song or texts me the song. He's like, "Oh, you gotta put this on the list." And I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Okay, listen to this. This, yeah, this clonks. This is clonking. No, but wait. she says bomb bomb. So he's bomb, like, oh, that's not even a bang. It's a dance hall classic. Bomb. It's B A M B A M. This this, this is a bammer. This is a bammer. This bomb bombs for sure. It clangs on the list. It clangs. This is what I'm dealing with as the host of this show. Is I get emails that say, "Oh, bomb bomb." That should be good for this joke. And I was like, "Okay, but sounds like, great." But I'll definitely put it on there. I always loved those bomb bomb popsicles, the red, white, and blues. Those were the best. Oh, what a she bombs. bomb bomb! That's a dancehall classic. That gets that gets quit. That's going to lead us straight into our first track on the album, Lost Ones. I'm so oh. excited. It would unless we were doing. Our next segment, which you would think that, that that bit I just did would lead into the album because it actually relates, but it doesn't. <laughs> Let's get into everybody's favorite part, Rolling Going. It's, 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 it's time to see what everybody's up to. It's time for Rolling Going. Oh, Ooh, yeah. yeah. This segment always thumps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if we will call Very you funky. and beg you to call the back line, but when you do, we will make fun of you ruthlessly. We cannot help ourselves. <laughs> we will instantly shoot a gift horse in the mouth. Is that the right phrase? <laughs> uh, all you right. Shoot the gift horse. Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't even know what a gift horse to is. Another level. You don't shoot uh, the gift horse. So- you just look at it in the mouth. <laughs> oh, that's the problem. And why is that bad? I don't know. I don't understand why that's bad. You just look that horse in the mouth. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's my bad. All right, rolling, going, Russell. How are you doing? I'm going well. I had a great day today, but I had a moment earlier today, and I want to see if you guys think I'm just too uptight about something, or if you think this person I ran into in my day is actually a sociopath that needs to be needs to be removed from. Russell went back I, to the record store. I did not go to the record store. I was at a gas station actually today, and I was waiting in line inside. And there was a person who bought lottery scratch-off tickets in front of me. Oh, and then oh, and it no. took forever. 
Oh, no. It took forever because they had to, like, go through and they were pointing at certain tickets. They Mm -hmm. didn't want that ticket that was out. They wanted a different one where the lady had to come out around in the front and she had to show her, no, I want this red one. Oh, my God. And so this goes on for, like, a minute or two. And I'm sitting there waiting, waiting. And so, so anyways, finally, she gets the scratch-off tickets she wants. She scratches them at the counter. Oh. What do you think of people who get scratch-off lottery tickets and scratch them at the counter or go through, like, the whole process of having to check their lottery tickets or their scratch-off tickets while people are in line? Like, these people got to go, right? Oh, yeah, see you later. I, I think when, when you pull up next to her, you go, I'm glad you didn't win. And then you just shove her. You're like right in her face. You put a fist right in her face, your hand right in her face. You're like, see ya. I think in our COVID times, we just got to make sure she's using some hand sand before she scratches the scratchers, right? Like you just got to make sure this is sanitary. So I'm just, I'm just supposed to wait and hold my donuts or what? <laughs> How long do I got to hold the donuts while she's scratching her lottery tickets? Aaron, when's the last time you waited in line at a gas station? I got to hear this story. There's no way it's been in the last six months. It was probably at the Super America on Snelling Avenue at some point in 2004. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I assume in California you just drive your car over some sort of charger and it charges right back up. You're able to drive it around. No problem. We have a lot of gas stations where you can't even, there's nothing inside. It's just like a pump. And then there's like a, you can drop your car off there to get work done, but we don't have, you know, it's just like you go and pump your gas. There's not even a place to go in and buy peanuts or whatever, which I would happily buy. In fact, I have some, you know, I'm, you know what? I'm wrong, Rob. No. I'm sorry guys to take it us off track. It a sponsorship. But when I was in Iowa, I did go to Casey's general store and purchase some <coughs> tiny chili and lime peanuts. So I waited in line to purchase those peanuts. So it's only been three All weeks. Since yeah, all their <laughs> I did listen to the last podcast. You also mentioned those peanuts on the last podcast. <laughs> They're so good. They're delicious. <laughs> how many? How, the, the real question is, how many come and go stores did you have to drive by to go to find a Casey's? Oh, yeah. About seven. About seven come and goes for yeah. one yeah. Casey's. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's yeah. the difference between Aaron and me. He had a package of peanuts out in his garage a week ago, and they're still there. Yeah, no way. That, those peanuts would be long gone for me. I would have banged those peanuts home a long time ago. <laughs> that reminds me, I, I got gas today in New Jersey, which is always I thought a you were just going to say you got gas and move on. I thought that was the end of where we were going. I got gas. I got gas today in New Jersey. And according, What did you eat? I believe it's a state law in New Jersey. You are not allowed to pump your own gas. So every gas mm. station has an attendant that comes out and pumps your gas and then washes your windows and everything. And I got to say... I love it. It fits the Rob lifestyle so well. I don't even get out of my car. Oh my god, it's so great. They're wa- they're filling it up, washing windows. I'm there, like you know, playing music super loud. I was like, this is heaven. This is the best thing ever. Rosie, how's it going? I mean, it's going good. I will. Uh, I guess I'll just put this episode in context. It's uh, Saturday, November seventh, which means that uh, about eight thirty six my local time this morning, we got the news about the U.S. election. So I took a shot of Rittenhouse whiskey. Uh, which is a Pennsylvania whiskey. I, you might guess I was excited about how it turned out. Um, it's now about eight thirty six p.m. and uh, I've been just I've been rolling all day. So hopefully I don't say anything dumb like I did in the opening. And uh, we have a good we have a good episode. <laughs> I don't. No one knows what you're talking Again, about. Again, it's much harder to edit things when you keep bringing them up. I am going to say. Hopefully that. I don't say anything dumb. 
Can't cut them out. Yeah. <laughs> the sign of a true it. person hoping not to say anything dumb as they say. They start by saying, well, I hope I don't say anything dumb, but. That's the that's the bleeped <laughs> joke of the week. But I'm good. I'm happy. I don't live in my garage anymore. I know everyone's disappointed to learn that I have uh, I received a negative COVID test uh, on Monday, moved back into my house. So um, I've not been in the garage as much this week. Uh, and uh, it's been that a was week. A, that was a negative for the whole podcast. It was a negative for your <laughs> test. It was also a negative for our content. So thanks for nothing. It was a huge bummer. You couldn't have taken off that mask a few more times in Des Moines. Yeah. <laughs> you opened some door handles without licking them. What a Get bummer. five feet away instead of six. Well, I guess we know who doesn't really care about the podcast. Yeah. So, rolling, going, Matt, how's it going with you? Good, good, going good. Uh, you know, I just, I think, um, you know, to Rosie's sentiment, I think everybody was sitting around waiting on pins and needles, both sides of the table. Rob right? calls those tenter hooks. Tenter hooks. Tenter I don't know what those yeah. are, but Rob uses that term. It, the, you use them on a gift horse. Mm. <laughs> And I would just say this. I, I was think... tenter hooking the shit out of a gift horse earlier. It was like wild. <laughs> All right. Now I've got to bleep that too. <laughs> that sounds way worse. <laughs> oh, boy. I just wanted to say this. You know, I've got a lot of friends that are Republican. My family, a lot of Republicans on the side of things. And I think the one thing that I hope, and I keep hearing it out of uh, – President-elect Mr. Biden, that, you know, he can come together and bring everybody together. And I think that's exactly what we need right now, mm-hmm. you know, to stop going from left corner to right corner. And so I know I kind of brought the room down here a little bit, but I'm just, I, 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 I'm super stoked, just like uh, Rosie. And I just hope that everybody can kind of put their differences aside a little bit and try to move towards a common goal instead of all of this divisiveness. It's, I actually, I actually hope there's this law. I'm really hoping it proposes, and the first law that I hope he pushes through and rams through uh, the Congress is no more Rolling Stone 500 lists over the next four to eight years. <laughs> we just get rid of the redos of the fucking list. A moratorium. We got to wait at least come eight together, years. Stop yes. the divisiveness yeah. about which list we're supposed to use and just stick with this one. Yeah. Can we agree that Lauren Hill's at number nine? Like we don't need, we don't need a redo where she's at 11 in four years or at seven. Let's just stick at nine. In 10 years, we're starting this podcast over and it's just all K-pop in the top 10. We're like, we have no idea what's going on. We're 60 years old or whatever. All right. Can't do math. Not my strong suit. Uh, Rob, how's it going with you? Rolling how's, going? It going, how's it rolling going with Rob? You didn't bring the room down, but I, I we were all distracted by Russ because he had pulled out three tenter hooks and he was doing some tricks with them. <laughs> and then when he said ram it through, then he that was kind of his finale. And I thought that was really great. I thought that was wonderful. All right. So I've got two points and I'm going to make one point and ask a question. And then I'm going to tell you the second point before you answer the question. OK, so keep that in mind. This is right. more confusing than your rating system, Rob. Can you explain how we're supposed to follow this again? You know, I don't even like people joking about my rating system because it actually is very good. Okay. And I've got a lot of compliments from tweets that I've deleted that you can't see. I am I am now waking up in the morning and I'm realizing that as I get older, it is much, 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 much more important that I am eating breakfast. Now, unfortunately, this also coincides with me being totally lactose intolerant. So the idea of having milk with cereal yourself. and then going to teach a bunch of middle school students is a absolute nightmare and a, a no-go. Um, so... Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, what is your breakfast style? Like, are you getting up and you're making a great breakfast? And I'm sure, you know, Rosie's getting up extra early and going out and picking up his own grains or whatever he's doing. Uh, he picks up, oh yeah, I have a grain guy who is also, you know, 
<laughs> he was also in the Fat Boys or whatever. Um, but the, the second story I want to tell you before you answer the question is yesterday I came in. Okay. And I, uh, Jenny Who looked came in? Jenny. I came into the, to the apartment and Jenny looked at me and goes, Oh no. And I said, Oh, what happened? She goes, Oh, I was opening this plastic bag and I thought it was a piece of unpopped popcorn. And so I put it in my mouth and it turns out it was my daughter's tooth that she was going to save for the tooth. No! Fairy. So I guess the question I have to ask is what do you guys do for breakfast? <laughs> I'm confused. Why was she putting things in her mouth from a plastic bag? Like, why would she be eating unpopped popcorn anyway? And then, I, I mean, there's so I have so many questions, Rob. I don't know that I can continue. No, well, I actually asked the question Wait, first. What's your breakfast she's, style? She's got to like, and my understanding is she's gone to like probably 12 years of of medical school or something along those lines, and she decided to eat the tooth. So what do you guys like to do for breakfast? It's like crunched down on a giant molar that was in somebody's mouth for, oh, I don't know, about 11 years. It's so gross. I mean, I'll go ahead because you guys are going to laugh. I watched it. I was uh, like, our, our breakfast uh, Sunday through Thursday, Saturday through Thursday is uh, oatmeal. We make uh, steel cut oats about once a week, and then we like eat them. Uh, we warm them up. So you make a big batch, and then you warm them up every day. Usually put peanut butter and yogurt. How do you warm on them up? On the stovetop. You know, microwave water. Yeah. Oh, oh. No, a lot of people. A lot of people enjoy using a stovetop. No, you don't. She put enjoy in there because she hates it. She wants a microwave as bad as Aaron does. Oh, I really enjoy using the toaster. No, you don't. Do you steel cut those oats with the edge of that metal bucket of yours or not? No, we just buy the steel cut oats. They're Bob's, and then we be peanut butter, Greek yogurt, whatever fruit we have in the house. This this week we had. Um, pomegranate seeds because we had a pomegranate from the pumpkin patch that my son picked out and I finally got the seeds out. Uh, and then our big, our big, uh, sh- uh, showstopper is on Fridays. Uh, we make, um, egg and cheese sandwiches on a bagel with veggie sausage. So that's our, oh that's God. our ritual right there. That's, that's everything you needed to know about my breakfast. I would have to go to the bathroom so fast at work after that. Oh my God. <laughs> Your breakfast sound way more enhanced than mine do. I'm literally just mixing yogurt and cereal now. You guys didn't ask my breakfast style, so I thought that was very rude, by the way. You eat that rat food that it, it looks like when all the marshmallows are gone on your Lucky Charms. Oh, I my God. That's what you've been doing. <laughs> oh, my God. Terrible. You know what she was doing today, by the way? My wife today was taking honey bunches of oats and then picking out all the clusters of the honey bunches. So all that was left what? It was the oats. I was like, I don't want more oats. I want the clusters. <laughs> guys, I live in hell. <laughs> Your world's horrible. Hey, I've I've fully embraced the uh, intermittent fasting lifestyle over the last six eight weeks, and so I've I don't intermittently fast ever. Yeah, I've I've I for the most part I stop eating about seven o'clock and then don't eat lunch until about noon every day. Whoa! Uh, I have coffee in the morning, and I've hey after about twenty one days of it, about three weeks, it's unbelievably easy, and I have found that it is a great lifestyle for me personally. And I feel like I could eat whatever I want at lunch, and I don't feel bad about it. And for whatever reason, it's just it's been, it works out great for me. And so that's I, amazing. It, go ahead. And here's the part of the yeah. here's the part that Matt emailed me. Wow, Matt, that sounds like a great deal. I would love to get on this program. <laughs> I would be willing to pay fifty dollars a month. Would you say it would cost that much? <laughs> You get three of your friends, Rob, and then they get three of their friends. All of a sudden, you got nine people underneath you, and you can make four hundred thousand dollars a year. It's a great plan. You two are my only three friends, so I'm, I interest you in intermittent fasting. Have you guys ever had a job at a pyramid scheme before? Because I have. 
Oh, oh no, job. wait a minute. My, jo- my job at a pyramid scheme? Well, I did. The, the pharaoh said like... no to me, but... Um... <laughs> so in Am college, I muted? This, Am yeah. I muted? The pharaoh... The pharaoh didn't hire me. Pyramids. What are we talking about? Pyramid well, scheme. I don't get it. Pyramid oh, a pharaoh oh, oh, hired me. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I went to talk to his mummy about that. Sarah's going to call in and talk to you. R.A.P. this podcast, as Rob likes to say. So in, in college, after our freshman year of college, I was looking for a job, and it was just like a summer gig. And so I was looking for anything, right? And I found this ad in the newspaper. It was some sort of marketing job or whatever. And I, so I go to this interview, and I get to this interview, and there's about 50 people in the room. I'm like, what's going on here? And they get you in there, and essentially they say, all right, we're interviewing people to be knife salesmen, to sell these Cutco knives. You guys ever remember those? Yes, yeah. I, yes, yeah, absolutely. And so they get a bunch of people in there and they start, you know, teaching you about what they're trying to sell. And the the brilliance of this pyramid scheme is they would always find like one or two people that were a few years older in school that had done well at it. And they would put them up there. So it's like, oh, I know her. I know him. If they can do it, I can do this. Right. So they interview and they cut the group down to like a half. So I don't know. Oh, cut. Who? I don't know why they send people home, but they cut they cut hey, you out with sharp knives. Cut. cut. <laughs> and, and so the next day, half of you come back. And oh no. Cut you in half. Cut the group in half. Half of you come back. And so eventually they teach you, like, we're gonna teach you how to sell these knives. And so the first day of training, they essentially they give you a rope and you gotta saw through the rope, just like you would oh. see on TV. Or they give Russ immediately grabs the blade instead of the handle, and they're like, oh, "No, I'm sorry, you should have been in the other group." <laughs> ah, god damn, my hand! And so they teach you how to like display these knives and essentially show how they're so useful. It's like, okay, I can handle that. I can handle that. The second day, they come in and they kind of teach you how to sell the knives. They teach you how to communicate with potential customers. Okay, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. The third day, they come back in. At the end of the third day, they say. Tomorrow you need to come in with a list of 150 names that you're going to call to schedule appointments to sell these knives. And I went home that night and, and I asked my mom, the, the owner of many great records, I said, do you have like any friends I can call to sell these knives? And she's like, nope, not happening. Not happening. Russ, your mom not having any friends is the saddest story I've ever heard in my whole life. I can't believe she doesn't have any friends. I didn't mean it like that. Honey, I've been sitting friends. in the basement for 10 years listening to records. That I'll have forever and I'll cherish for the rest of my life. I don't have any friends. I think my mom refused to give me Herbie Mann's phone number, so I couldn't call and make, make, a, make a connection with the Herb Meister. But, but essentially, she kind of said, no, I'm not giving you any of my friends' numbers. You're on your own on this one. And I was like, well, this isn't happening because I'm not calling anyone to make an appointment to go sell knives with them. So yeah. I went downstairs in the basement and I was so like ashamed of what, you know, I was embarrassed and ashamed and I had to call these people and say like, yeah, I'm not coming back tomorrow. So I worked for Cutco Knives Pyramid Scheme for three days before I quit. Russ opens up his trunk and he goes, he goes, yeah, but mom. And there's just like 500 knives in his trunk. And he's like, what am I going to do with all these? <laughs> but I the epilogue to the story and I don't know if the other folks who might be involved in this story are listening to this podcast. So I'm going to um, use aliases. So I'm going to call this person um, Ralph. <clears throat> Russell mm. had another acquaintance named Ralph, who later in Russell's life, I happen to know, got involved in a potential pyramid scheme. And Russell got right in and squashed it. 
And Ralph said, you know what? You know what my boss calls you? He calls you a dream killer. And Russell stood up to that guy yes. and stopped stopped Ralph from joining the pyramid scheme, even though Ralph says, my boss calls you a dream killer because Russell had been through it already. He understood. What makes that so funny is that Russell had used those 300 knives that he had left over to make a Freddy Krueger outfit. So he was, yeah. he was like, I really am a dream killer, bitch. Yeah, I went at, I went as Halloween for as Edward Scissorhands for like eight years in a row and never had to repeat a single knife. <laughs> oh my God. I almost passed out. I laughed so hard at that joke. Oh. Listen, nobody else likes this, but I think it's great. Uh, all right. So I think that is it for rolling going. We went from breakfast to pyramid schemes and a very normal conversation that would happen with any group of people. All right. So let's talk about the history of, we're talking about the miseducation of Lauren Hill. This, I remember uh, that thing being a huge song when I was growing up, but it was, Lauren Hill was never a person I really got into. Uh, Matt has volunteered this week to take over the history of the album. Matt, you ready to go? Yeah. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes. We can. Yeah, great. Your computer. Did your computer, well, like, fall over? Well, I'm out in the garage, and I think I was a little far away from the Wi-Fi, so I was just... I love how moved. Matt's just reached the point where we start telling stories, and he's like, fuck it, I'm out. I'll come back <laughs> yeah. in, like, four minutes. I gotta take a okay. leak. <laughs> Matt, I'm gonna, I'm gonna retell you my Freddy Krueger joke, because I think that was actually really good to do. <laughs> so, first of all, Russ was selling knives. Then it was Russ's roommate who said he was a dream killer, and he dressed up like Freddy Krueger. I am a dream killer bitch. Okay, so I just re I did the whole joke again. I think it was funny the second time, too. Uh, Matt, history of the album, Lauren Hill. Give it to us. All right, released in 1998. This was classified as a neo-soul album, which uh, oh, I, I had to like go look Matrix. up. Yeah, you know, so uh, Erica Badu, Maxwell, D'Angelo, you know, that's kind of the, and she kind of kicked off that. Yeah, after her relationship with the Fugees turned sour, which I couldn't find anything on how that turned sour other than I think she just got sick of the guys and the guys got sick of her. But I, I, I think too, it, it seemed like Wyclef was not the most fun person to work with. He yeah. turned, cause when, the, when she went in, he apparently he was like, well, if you work with her, you're not working with me anymore. Huh? I just get the impression that he they was had a, re- so I mean, they did have a romantic relationship and she, she took it out, uh, on this album. Uh, lost ones is probably about him. Others are about him. X factor is probably about him. He uh, apparently chose to write a biography about it uh, and then also spilled the tea to uh, famous DJ Wendy Williams. So I think Wyclef took it more public and Lauren tried to like uh, keep it more more vague. But um, people weren't supposed to know, but they were involved uh, romantically. So where, where does this rank? Like was was the Fugees, were they huge at this point? What was Carnival or what, what was that album? Where does this go yeah. in time in terms of uh, this album, Matt? So a couple years before this, the Fugees album... And Rosie might have to help me out here with what the name of it was. One the, uh, the uh, rap album. You thinking of the, of the score? So they were huge. Yeah, the score. I That's remember that. I had, remember listening um, to a ton of Fuji's. The score. There's yep. the score that had Ready or Not. Yep. So that one rap album of the year. Yeah, and so they they were huge. They were absolutely huge. Um, you know, I think a lot of it. Uh, she, she did not like the limelight. She did not like the touring. I don't think she liked the MTV factor that had to go along with the Fugees. And so because of all this, she kind of was taking a step back. She ended up getting pregnant with uh, with a Marley, um, Rosie Rohan. Is, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah, Rohan. Rohan Mar- he was one of my favorite Miami Hurricanes back in the day. I used to love watching him play football. Number Which two for the U. And so, you know, she, she took a step back, got pregnant. 
uh, got pregnant, was having a baby, was going through everything like that, living life, and, and got inspired to make a solo album. You know, man, I was going to say, this sounds a ton to me. And think about how smart this is of me to say this. It sounds a lot like Brian Wilson, doesn't it? Like a really similar thing where she didn't like the limelight, she didn't like touring. I can't remember if he got pregnant or not, but I, it seems pretty similar. <laughs> Very but similar. But similar, similar to Brian Wilson, she was clearly the most talented member of her group. And there was, there was external pressure on her to go solo because she was so talented. She was a great rapper. She could sing, and, and people wanted her to make solo records. So it wasn't, just, it wasn't just her feelings. It was that there was pressure on her to, to step out and do a solo thing. Yeah. So she headed to – well, she started out in New Jersey primarily – um, and basically, she, I think to sum it up in a nutshell, she was getting all sorts of pressure from people in the States, you know, that she had to do this and had to do this and pushing her left, pushing her right. And she just got fed up with it, decided to head to Kingston, Jamaica, to head to Bob Marley's studio to record the majority of this album. Um, you know, she said she didn't right. want to come out with the Fuji's type sound, meaning very polished and ready for radio and ready for MTV. But she wanted to create something that was very unique and very clearly a Lauryn Hill album. So she said she didn't intend for the album sound to be commercially appealing. There's too much pressure. This is a quote now. There's too much pressure to have hits these days. Artists are watching Billboard instead of exploring themselves. Look at someone like Aretha. She didn't hit the she didn't hit with her first album, but she was able to grow up and find herself. I want to make honest music. I don't like things to be perfect or too polished. People may criticize me for that, but I grew up listening to Al Green and Sam Cooke. When they hit a high note, you uh, actually felt it. You know? She would love our podcast then, I think. Yeah, oh, that's exactly. So good. And so, you know, I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but you kind of get a theme throughout the top ten albums that – you know, it absolutely was a pivot from kind of commercial success and where it was at in the day. And they took it and ran with it, just whatever they felt was um, their passion as opposed to what would be commercially successful at that time. And so Columbia Records considered bringing an outside producer for the album, uh, even talked to RZA from Wu-Tang. But Hill was adamant about writing and arranging and producing the album herself, saying it would be it would have been more difficult to articulate to other people. Hey, it's my album, she said. Who can tell my story better than me? So she she was able to write, collaborate, produce, uh, finish. She did the whole thing from front to back, which sounds exactly like Yeah, Brian Wilson. Joni Mitchell, you know, another... Oh, oh Joni Mitchell, you know, Joni Mitchell. God damn it, set me up for... Sound. Did you see how happy I was, how smart I looked? <laughs> Writing it herself, I started reading a book. I unfortunately didn't finish it in time for the podcast, but I, I've been reading a book uh, called She Begat This by Joan Morgan. She wrote a book about this album. She talks about Lauren Hill in context of other female MCs at the time, specifically Foxy Brown and Lil' Kim, both of whom notoriously did not write their own rhymes, and Lauren wrote all of her own rhymes on top of writing this album, producing this album. So Lauren was doing everything, whereas uh, other female MCs um, who are still great artists in their own right um, didn't quite have that same kind of control over their life creatively. Eric, can I, can I ask something about that? One thing you've said about the Beatles before is you would never put them as the greatest band because they don't play their own instruments. Does Lauren Hill play instruments or you're referring to her as an MC? Like, why do you view her? Like, how do you view her differently than like a band or an artist who actually is playing the instruments? Does she play instruments on this or, or what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that uh, actually, as we get into this album, there is a bit of, I don't want to like step on Matt's uh, turf, but 
there is a bit of controversy about how much of this Lauren actually did on her own. She did have to pay a settlement uh, later uh, to some people who uh, were not credited on the album initially. So no, I don't think she, I mean, I know she, we know she plays guitar. I know that because I owned the um, Unplugged 2.0 album of hers. That's um, fairly uneven, but, but it does have some high points. Uh, I think she's a great MC. I think she can really rhyme. She can definitely sing, but um, no, I don't think she plays any instruments on this album other than maybe some guitar, um, which is fine. I don't think there's anything, you know, I think, I think knowing what you but do well is the music, fantastic. I mean, she wrote the music, um, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and had, uh, other, and then there were musicians and producers in the studio with her. So this album debuted at number one on the billboard 200 charts. Uh, it earned 10 nominations, uh, for the, at the Grammys winning five. So it made Hill the first woman to receive 10 nominations, and 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 the first woman to uh, receive win five awards in one night. She won. Uh, she, the list included best new artist, best R and B song, best female R and B vocal performance, and best R and B album. Um, it also won the the Grammy for the album of the year, making it the first hip hop album to ever receive this award. This Boy, is it, her- it took all the way until '98 until the best album. Of the year was yeah. a hip hop album. That's wild to me. That's absolutely yeah. Yeah, right? insane. Mm-hmm. So this was this, this still is her only studio album. Uh, you know, for her widely known as one of the best of all time, this is her only studio album. Um, she right. so someone who someone who has the ninth greatest album ever only created one album. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that- she didn't want to tour extensively because of her obligations to her family and the difficulties she experienced while touring with the Fugees. She found it desensitizing and isolating. Uh, she'd come to know that there's much more to life than her career, which I think, again, uh, speaks volumes to, you know, that you come to a point in your life where, you know, you're trying to, whatever you're doing to reach the top, right? Where she just said, look, I'm not going to go on all of this tours. I'm not going to do the MTVs. I'm not going to do all of this. I just want to put my music out and then live my life and, and be with my kids. Now, some other stuff might come in after that, but you know, I think it, again, it goes to a theme of um, you know, is not all about just trying to get a number one Billboard song, uh, you know, and that's I think brings the genius come through. All right, let's get into it. Now, I'm going to say this: I don't like this. I don't like this motif of being in school. <laughs> Very stressful for me. Every time I would start playing this at work, I would hear it, and it is the fakest ass class that's in this whole thing. The kids are so nice; they're so respectful. They don't say, "Oh, why do you keep going to the bathroom all the time?" Oh, why are you so sweaty? Like you know what I mean? Like real kids do. Right. It's not especially uh, when she grew up in New York, right? Like you know, you know New York students, right, Rob? Like that. I don't think New York students are quite mm-hmm. this nice. Just like, oh, hey, where is everybody? Just taking roll call, right? It is. It is wild though. I mean, they're talking about something like love, and the kids aren't just howling at what each other says. That's that came off to me as very fake. But here's the intro. It's the only skit I'm going to play. I do have to say, <laughs> the, the concept of skits on an album is something I kind of miss. I wish there was more of this. Yeah, I mean this one. The the skits kind of just fall apart after the. There's the one. There's this one. There's another one a little bit later where they talk about uh, Kirk Franklin or whatever. But it, it doesn't really hold the whole. What do you guys think of this as I the opening it. of an album versus like we've heard you know like London Calling by the Clash. We've heard these kind of like amazing songs that just bang right from the beginning. Uh oh. And you have this as a skit. How do you, what do you guys think of this as an well, opener? If you play, I mean, if you kind of read into it, I mean, the the whole thing is the miseducation of Lauren, Miss Lauren Hill, right? And so the the themes come from a couple books and a couple other albums that it, it kind of just sets up like the theme of the whole album throughout it. Uh, you know, 
learning, growing in and out. And so it, it, I don't know. I, I don't mind it at all. I think it, it fits in with the theme of what the album is supposed to convey as a message. I thought mm-hmm. it was really cool. I think a lot of yeah. this album was talking about her growing up. And I think a central part that so many of us have to growing up is like school. Like we all have sat in a class where the guy's taking attendance like that. Like that's something we can all relate to. So I just, I thought it was a really great way to set up this, you know, what comes after that. And Rob, I, I do want to just say that I, I like what you're, where you're going with that because so much of this, I know this album really well. I bought it on CD when it came out when I was 19 or whatever. I listened to it front to back a million times. I am clearly not the target audience for this album. And so many, I mean, I learned so much about, uh, or I think I learned a lot about what black people experience in life through this album. Obviously I don't know that. Um, but I will say there's so much about this album that I absolutely, I, I certainly cannot relate to. It's not intended for me. I don't get the collective experience, but there are many things on the album that are 100% relatable for everyone. So I think that's one of the really cool things about the album is that, uh, you read a lot about what this album meant for black people and black women. And obviously if that's you, if that's you, it means something different to you, but also for me as a dork from middle of Iowa, um, it meant a lot to me too. And so I think it's really incredible what she was able to do to make something so relatable to so many people. Aaron, I wouldn't be so hard on yourself. I think a kid from Iowa who dressed up like John Lennon in high school, I don't think dork is the right word for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lost ones. Those guys bang. This is a great example. This is a great example of Lauren talked about how she wanted that scratchy record sound. And you can hear like the vinyl that's put the vinyl noise that's put on top of this album where you can hear it kind of fuzzy and it's it's you know that warmth to it. So these songs is she taking shots at Wyclef in the in these songs or what I think what is so. this? I'm pretty sure this one's about Wyclef, yeah. Gain the whole world for the price of your soul. Wisdom's better than silver and gold. Gain the whole world for the price. Yeah, I mean, all that. I think it's at Wyclef. So am I not allowed to like Wyclef anymore? But, like, I remember liking the Fugees, and I liked that Wyclef Carnival album. Carnival am I allowed great. to like that, or is, did he do something bad? No, I think, I mean, look how many groups we've worked, we've talked about where they just, they, they split up. Like, the right. only people we haven't talked about major split ups is, like, Stevie Wonder. I don't think that this is like an Ike and Tina situation. I think it was that maybe he didn't treat her a hundred percent respectfully as an artist, but I don't think it was like, I, yeah, I think we're still allowed to like Wyclef. I don't think we have to cancel Wyclef. I will say right. as far as somebody who was growing up in Minnesota as a huge Bob Marley fan, I mean, it's kind of a little bit different than the John legend, but very, very bad probably for me. Um, but the, the Fugees were huge. Cause it was like, now all of a sudden was listening to like, people were listening to this reggae noise. And I felt like, Oh yeah, now people are coming over to what I've been listening this to. This is, this yes, time. this is the Bob Marley family tree. Like that's what's super cool about this. This is the first in this top, uh, 500. This is our first time to really come to the Jamaican sound and, and she's pulling in dance hall and old yeah. school reggae. Well, and, and the, uh, I mean, the Fugees were, the Fugees are basically of Haitian descent. And so, you know, you yes. kind of get that, just that, um, island vibe and you know the music that they're well, playing down there. So it, is it, this it, the music it, version of the Bill Walsh Bill Walsh coaching tree where he had like Denny Green and Mike Holmgren and all those guys? Well, yeah, yeah there's I a lot so. of people that show up on this album who are. I mean, they they become famous later. I think you're totally right. I think that's a very apt description. God damn it, you're smart, Russell. Uh, X Factor. Yeah, I don't hear that very often. This is a this is a sample of Wu Tang Clan. Can it all be so simple? 
piano is classic Wu-Tang. Yeah. Rizzo loved his piano loops. God, her voice is just unbelievable. Do you, do you think she was always like this amazing of a singer? So I came across this video, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. Do you guys know that Lauren Hill once auditioned on Showtime at the Apollo? Yeah. No, she I did not in. know that. She did it, and and maybe, Rob, you can pull it up. It's crazy. When you go watch that video, they boo her off stage at the beginning, and then what? she wins them by the end. It's such a cool performance. You guys got to check this out. What is she saying? Boo! Oh, Aaron, no. Oh, because you, I mean, yeah, because if you're singing this song, you got to bring it. So they're booing her. This is, she's a 13-year-old. Aaron, how can you boo her? They're ruthless, yeah, you man. Gotta, if you're going yeah. to sing Who's Loving You, you got to bring it. Okay, let's hear her bring it back here. Here she comes. She's. You have to bring it singing this song. The Sandman hasn't come out yet and swept her off the stage. Oh, that little She's Yoda was sister nice. act yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. She had a couple solos in Sister Act Two, where she nailed it. Oh, well, well, we, we definitely don't reference that later in the show. Oh, gotcha. we got that clip now. If you want it, let's go to that too. But I mean, who's loving you? That's like that's canon. Like Michael Jackson drilled this song as a kid. You can't come out and like not not bring it. Okay, so Aaron, let's go on record. Aaron would have booed Lauren Hill at the Apollo. Terrible. You're a terrible person. And I. And I love Lauren Hill more than anybody on this podcast. <laughs> oh my God, Aaron! It gives you hope, though, that hey, hey, you can make it. You can not have a great performance one time, but you can come back and have one of the nine, top ten greatest albums ever. Well, this is yeah, episode fifteen, guys. So I swear to God, sixteen—it's going to be our one. That's going to be the one where people <laughs> don't the boo one. and turn us That's off the, the podcast. One. Yeah. Here she Somewhere is. Somewhere out in there, our, our listeners are booing us. Sister Act Two, possibly the movie with the greatest but subtitle of all time. Yeah, she can blow. Back in the habit. Oh my God, that's brilliant! Whoever made that subtitle, I don't care about the singing. Whoever yeah, made that subtitle is should be paid a bazillion dollars. They should own movies, all movies. They should own it. Perfect. This definitely wails, and I don't want to say how much time I spent trying to find the best singing nuns over the last few days for a list. So I'll just let that. Be. <laughs> yeah, this absolutely wails. You're 100 percent right. But that's what's. I mean, just right, these first two now, tracks on the album. She drops. She drops just bars on lost ones and then she sings x factor and she does the she's one of the great r&b voices it's incredible what she's able to do just in the first two songs on the album do you think people our age hate carlos santana because of rob thomas and smooth i know i do and anyway here he is on to zion do you like how i asked that as a question and then answered it you all agree you gotta give us a chance to answer guys i bet that's how rob teaches all his classes do you think that students are annoyed by the sweaty teacher? Yes, they are. <laughs> Classic Mitch Hedberg. You didn't give me a chance to answer. <laughs> to Zion. So this is with Carlos Santana. It's about her being pregnant. And there's a lot of... Uh, was she was she into Rastafarianism? She must have been. She was... If she was in a relationship with Rohan, it must have been something going on. Marley, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's pretty heavily Christian as far as I know. And I know after, I mean, they had five kids together, but I know she got involved in some kind of like very niche 
um, Christian sects, yeah. but yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, she and Rohan were obviously, they were, they were common law married for 12 years, but, um, I don't think they're together anymore. The moment on this album that gave me chills when I listened to it was this first part where she talks about harmonizing. Listen to this on doo-wop, that thing, the number one single off this album debuted at number one, only the 10th song in the history of songs to ever do that debut Yo, at number one. Listen. Oh, that. Ooh. Okay, so I was thinking, guys, I think we can do it too. Ready? Here we go. Hey, guys, remember back on The Bully when cats used to harmonize like, That bangs. All right, all right, we're going to have to let Joe Biden redact that rule, and there's going to need to be a new list because we're on it. (laughs) I just got an email from Lauren Hill. You're better singers than me. Thank you, Lauren. We're sorry that we booed you at the Apollo, Lauren. That was Aaron. All right. <laughs> you wop that yeah. thing. Come on. I should hear it. I can't believe you booed her. She's, uh, she's so good. This she's was the song best. that had me dancing back. at my desk as I was grading papers. You gotta let this one play for a while. Yeah. Oh. It really summarizes everything that's great about this album. Great lyrics. Great noise. I mean, great sound. You go to sound. one song, you go to this one. If you haven't heard this album, absolutely, you go to this song. Yep. Oh, so good. I mean, how many times did you hear that song growing up? One bazillion times. Like I remember that song being A played over and over and over. And I still, every time it came on, I was excited to hear it. It's, it's just, it's so good. It's got both. It's got all of her great vocals plus her rhymes. Yeah, once again, albums in the top 10. Pretty good songs on there. Superstar. Nobody's doing their own rhymes and singing their own hooks. It's crazy. Now this one... Uh Uh-oh, hooks. Got Russell all excited again. Tenter hooks. (laughs) Hey, 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 horse. Hey, Hey. get back here. (laughs) Those tenter hooks are good for you. They're good for you. There's 10 or 11 hooks there. Yeah. I have to say, this is This, to to me, is the low album, the, the low point on the album, because... It's a song about what? how songs aren't as good as they used to be, and it's a like it's a low energy kind of song, I, and it's my it's potentially my least favorite genre of hip hop, which is like a song about how songs aren't that great. You know what though? Even even great albums may have you know not so great songs. But earlier Matt was talking about how this won the best album. Do you guys know that Lauren Hill won best album, best newcomer? And that has only happened four other times for in Grammy history. There's only been four times where someone has won wow. best album and best newcomer. So I'm going to give you guys the list of the four times that's happened. That's only happened once with Frank Sinatra in my granny's history. She loved Frank Sinatra. All right. Granny. Was that a joke? Oh, no. <laughs> what just happened? Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Let's start over. God damn it, guys. That was a good joke. It really was. That's hurtful right. that you do that to me on purpose. So instead of instead of playing the, the list bit, Rob has decided to make jokes instead. So we'll just skip his. We'll skip the sound bite. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Fine, I'll edit that out. Make me feel bad about a joke that was so good. It's all I have. Talk about all grandmas. Right. Wait till you get to mother-in-laws. Look out. No, so no. Again, four times where it's been. Best album and best newcomer. And the one is a very recent one. Billie Eilish just did this where she swept all the Grammys, right? And from this is the album. When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Just swept every Grammy in 2020. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. This album's on on the top 500 list. 
this is, it really? this is the fifth time it's it laps. Duh. And so the next one, there's there's only been one other time, I believe, that an artist has swept all of the big Grammys. And that other one just happens to be one of the kings of Yacht Rock, which Matt, Matt touched on earlier. And this was the debut album from Christopher Cross back in 1981. Original banger. Original banger. So this actually was the first poem. Oh, yeah. I got to get my white shoes. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean, I yeah, he would. Yacht Rock. I would wish somebody would explain to me why this is Yacht Rock. I've never understood that. He swept the Grammys like top to bottom, right? He swept all the big Grammys, and a lot of people think that kind of backfired on him because people turned against him because he what won every do? single award. I have pulled up an image of Christopher Cross because like he looks he a, a lot voice. like me. He looks like you. <laughs> look at this guy right here. Well, I was gonna say I didn't want to. I didn't want to insult you, Rob. You look much better than he does. But like, yeah, he. I mean, he, he could be uh, like a cousin or something. Nailed it. Thank but you. Not on Emerson's side. <laughs> on the other side of the family. <laughs> you know what album his album in 1981 beat? It it beated or it defeated. It beated. Beated. Banged it. He banged. <laughs> The Wall by Pink Floyd oh. was also that year. So oh, Christopher really? Cross swept all the Grammys. So best newcomer, best album. It's happened Does two other times. Do you think people? Do you think people who voted for that look back and kick themselves for voting for Christopher Cross over The Wall? Oh, they have. They to. have to. I, right. I can tell you, my granny loved Christopher Cross. <laughs> <laughs> the other one of the other times where someone won best newcomer. And best album was actually pretty recent in 2003. Do you guys remember Nora Jones? Don't know why. Hey, there's a Beatles connection. Yeah. If you can see Nora Jones live, do it. This album still like you got a great band that plays behind her. If you put this, if you put this album on in an afternoon, you're gonna have a great afternoon. It's just such a nice. You hear that? You hear the stand up bass, Rosie? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's so nice. When she gets old enough, she might turn into a granny. Robbie Shankar's daughter. <laughs> yes, right? That's the Beatles connection. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. I think I was muted for my joke there. Nobody laughed at <laughs> There's only been one other time where someone has won Best Newcomer and Best Album. And it may not be one that you guys think. It's actually someone we've talked about on this podcast before. And it turns out it was Bob Newhart back in Whoa! 1960 with his comedy <laughs> album. Oh, man. Oh, okay. It's because he okay. goes, uh, 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 it, 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 but by the the way, I, 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 nobody well, will play I, baseball. He literally introduces his joke by saying, I think a conversation would sound a little something like this. Like the bit I do is what he does. It's crazy. This is essentially his conversation with Abner Doubleday, the, the inventor of baseball, is what he's doing here. Oh, he's great at this. this. I'm in. No, this is awesome. I'm in. You got, you got nine guys on each side. Yeah. Turn it up, Rob. And you got a pitcher and a catcher. And they, and they throw this ball. Grammy for it. <laughs> and that's all there is to it? All right. A guy, a guy from the other side stands between them with a bat. I see. And he just watches them. Oh, I see. He swings at it. He may or he may not swing at it. But de- depending on what. If it looked like it were a ball. 
Uh, what's a ball, Mr. Doubleday? You, you've got this plate, uh -huh. and as long as it's above the knees, <laughs> but below the shoulders. Yeah. No, no, go ahead, I'm listening. Yeah. I think I could have crushed that then. I'm serious. Yeah. Three strikes and you're out, and three balls. <laughs> not, not three balls, four balls. Why four balls, Mr. Doubleday? <laughs> Nobody's ever asked you before. <laughs> so remember when we used to listen to all these Beatles albums and they would always lose to, like, Bob Newhart? This is what was winning the Grammys back in the 60s, and he was the first time to win Best Newcomer, Best Album, and there's only happened five times. Lauren Hill's one of them. Guys, guess cool. what? God only knows has been bumped down to the number two best song of all time. <laughs> Nobody will ever play baseball is now the number one song. That rocked. That rocked my fucking socks off. And you know what? I, I I really believe I would kill if I was a comic back then. I feel like I would just destroy. Like he was getting huge laughs there. He didn't even make any like, oh, check out my big balls joke. You know what I mean? Like you could really go in there and just crush. All right, so back to Lauren Hill. Here we go. We are on final hour. Set in the background. Ooh, what do I hear? Oh, you hear that? Is that Jim Horn back there? Is that Bud Beetle? Wailing on the flute? <laughs> it's a definite another flute song. Listen to Ooh, there it is. There's some flute for you. Coming right at you. Right in your ear holes. I can't, I, guys, I've, I've totally forgotten to tell you the best flute song of all time. It's like a top three song, one of my favorite songs of all time. Hang on, we we've we've been over the we've flute how many times? So many. The first we've time? covered so many flute songs, and I can't believe that I didn't. I've never brought this up, and I've, I've this, got the this, album. We need to hear it. It's on. It's on my top one hundred list. All this stuff. The song is called "Nobody Will Ever Play Baseball." <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna play all. Th we're gonna play all two minutes again. There's a little. There's a little group, it, and it might be the best opening flute of any song that's ever been made ever in the history. Of the world, little song the by the Marshall Tucker Band. There's no jazz on this flute. Oh, listen to that! Oof, oof. That's jazzy. Oh yeah, you're Whoa. right. Yeah, the flute in the Such in the low song. register of the flute, like Such the, a great the bottom song. register of the flute, it's kind of soulful. I like it. This dude guys. was in the band. He wasn't just like a session guy who came in for, uh, <laughs> you know. I'm hey, I'm gonna play one. Uh, really. One or two songs. This guy was in the band. His name was George Tucker. He was Marshall's brother. He was like, Marshall, please, I need to be in this band. <laughs> and it's the same. Like it's going on our flute mega mix for sure. Flute on final hour is like in that same kind of like bottom register of the flute where maybe not bottom, maybe it's more middle, but it's like kind of soulful, you know, lonesome kind of sound. I love it. I always loved when I was selling knives for two days, there was the bottom register of the knife where you would really cut through that last bit of the rope. It was like the bottom register was like very, just very brutal. Yeah. I used to have a friend who was really short and he worked at a grocery store and he had to use the bottom register to check the glove. <laughs> All right. I'm back, baby. I'm back. Bob Newhart, suck my baseballs, baby. I am back. Woo! My brother, Larry. I'm telling you, you missed a good joke. When it hurts so bad. You don't 
Oh. Oh, do you guys hear the harp there too? You were talking yeah, about the, oh, the harp. Here? Yeah. And then this has those Marley oh. drums. I can't remember if we're gonna hear them or not. Noodling on the harp. I noticed the harp, but this is one of the reasons I asked Aaron about about what Lauren Hill was playing in terms of instruments. It turns out that Grace Paradise was playing the harp on this this one. When Grace Paradise drove into that session and it was really dark out, she was Grace Paradise by the dashboard lights. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Russell's in here I trying spent, to drop science. Again, I can't us. tell you guys how much time I spent trying to find the best songs with harp, but there's a lot of bad songs with the harp on it. <laughs> Russ goes to heaven. He's like, boo, you suck. And it turns like out Aaron like a lot of people, a lot of people have had Aaron's sing at their wedding. And he's been disappointing, but it turns out there's an artist <laughs> out there who is a wedding performer. There is a wedding performer out there who actually plays the harp. Her name is Debbie Beck. And so oh, Debbie boy. Beck's music can add a wonderful, elegant touch to your wedding or special occasion. She's been playing at <laughs> weddings in the Cleveland area for over 20 years. Weddings, grand openings, teas, <laughs> dinner, cocktail hours, funerals, and corporate events. I want to let you guys listen to Debbie Beck play Stairway to Heaven at a recent at a recent wedding she played at and tell me who does it better between Lauren Hill or Beck. Russ, I'd love to go to a wedding, but I can't eat after 7 p.m. Do you have a program that would get me both of these things? <laughs> I hope Check we made some out. money from her for we this. Got, yeah, do we got a phone number or website or anything, Russell? Plugpastry.com. <laughs> Wait a minute, I gotta get it. Hold on, hold, you gotta listen. hold on. You gotta, you hold on. on. Okay. Email email Beck did it better at gmail.com. <laughs> Beautiful. It's really nice. First dance of my wedding. 15 right. minutes long. I got a pen that works now, Russell. What was that? So, what was that website? So who would you say? Who does it better? Lauren Hill's not even playing the harp on this album. Debbie Beck will play the, the play the harp at your wedding with that Aaron would otherwise fail at. So who does it better, Beck or Lauren Hill, when it comes to the harp at weddings? For playing the harp at weddings, Beck did it better. I'd probably rather have Lauren attempting to play the harp. No. I'd rather ever just up. Debbie. Debbie Beck cease and desist litter and is on its way right now. <laughs> the two guys who are not in their garages currently are the two guys that can stick along with these bits. They're the only ones who figure out what's going on. All right. Let's go. We've got I Used to Love Him. Is this a Guns N' Roses song? Oh, no, that's I Used to Love Him. Oh, nice, Rob. I like it. But I had yeah. to kill her. Well, I wasn't going to say that part. Is this the one with Mary J.? I mean, I, like this is one this of the is only. Dress- this, this song drags on for me, Rosie. I mean, I feel that. No, well, I, I no, maybe that. you forget the aforementioned Carlos Santana. And then there's one more. There's one more guest coming up. A couple songs up. And that's when time stops. That's what I'm waiting on. Forgive them, yes, Father. This, this is, is the a, dance a sample hall. from a, one of, from my favorite Bob Marley song of all time, which is called Concrete Jungle. It's an absolute banger. I think you can hear it playing in the background right now. I believe it thumps, Rob. Thumps. Oh, that's right. Oh, geez, I'm trying to. Sorry, I'm so it sorry. Slaps. That's my bleep joke of the week. Do you do you guys think we could single handedly like change the idea like a Miley Cyrus song is a banger and now they're all going to be thumpers or they could be something yes. else? Can we, <laughs> yes. can we influence music that much? Our oh, tens yeah. of listeners. We're, With our tens of listeners, we're I up think to we've 74 been. downloads. I'll tell you an what. I don't see why not. Don't say that number out loud. That's so depressing. <laughs> As I ignore my family on a Saturday night. <laughs> Daddy, can I sleep in my room, please? No. No. Shut up. No. 
We're talking about Debbie Beck and Harpistry.com. She plays the harp at weddings. Get out of here. Tell me that bit about baseballs again. Hey. Sorry, kids. Ignoring you in childhood. My bad. For 74 downloads a week. <laughs> Sorry, I, didn't, I thought that was a funny. Oh, God. I'm really striking out this week. Don't ever apologize, Aaron. I like that. What did that sound like? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my new Bumble profile headline. <laughs> you know, Russell, there's a new dating app where if you're a transformer, you can go on it. It's called Bumblebee. Ooh. No, Rob, no. Turn your mic on. You, is your mic on? Turn your mic on. <laughs> Feels like every time uh, Rob tells a joke, his mic goes out right. on him today. Great. Matt, you once you said on when we were doing the new list when Lauren Hill jumped up, you said it was one of the best concerts you've ever seen. How much of this album did she play at the concert you saw? Um, I think she played four songs. I went back to look at the list today. It was in September of 2016, and uh, my buddy Nick from Minneapolis oh, and wow. I. You know, based on all of the stuff between this album and 2016 that happened in her life, and go ahead and Google it. We're not going to get into it, but you know, I thought, hey, kind of like going to see like the Rolling Stones or somebody like that. Like, hey, we got to go see Lauren Hill if she's coming to concert because it might not ever happen again. Kind of, yeah, deal. exactly. You know, and so we fully yeah, went in right. just waiting for her to not show up or her to not come or you know, like be just a horrible concert, and it was like a top three concert I've ever seen. I saw her at first Ave and she played, um, a third of her, uh, basically of this album. So four or five songs, of this album, she played four or five Mar- uh, Bob Marley cover songs. Um, and then, uh, she sprinkled in three, four or five Fuji songs as well. And so I oh think she played God. 13 or 14 songs and it was phenomenal. And she that was great. So awesome. And the band behind her was awesome. And so if anybody ever, ever gets a chance to go see her live absolutely jump on that opportunity it was it was phenomenal wow you know i i gotta say this next song every uh, every ghetto every city this is one of my favorite genre of r&b song now rosie just said he hates a lot of r&b in fact he just said he hates most of it earlier um, Hang on, and he what? does boo people at the Apollo. <laughs> it, it's second on his list after vaccinations, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Right? I this love, is this. I love this I song love, so much. What is happening? I love. Yeah, no. Excuse me. I'm talking here. I have the floor. Um, I love this song where it talks about quit, like just quit. growing up. <laughs> I would just walk. No, away. don't. Just You're the only one who laughs somewhat at my jokes. Um, and I love these songs where they're talking about what it's like to grow up in a town. It kind of reminded me of that Stevie Wonder shy song where he's just kind of like describing like going to school and being in the city. I love that idea of this. I just, I could not, this was my, this goes on Rob's mixtape of the week. Yeah, this song is. She grew up in New Jersey, just for reference. Right. I go to Hooterville for the chicken wings. <laughs> Right, there's got to be stuff in here that left. only people from certain blocks would know, right? Right. I think some kids in uh, school put graffiti on the bathroom wall once that said Hooterville. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that you didn't know work. That, kid. that didn't work. <laughs> I do love the, the throwback to growing up. <laughs> All right, Genre so now we have well. our... Our, uh, one of our final guest uh, performers, this is D'Angelo. Holy shit. This is when time just stops, right? I'm just going to go take off my shirt and stare at my abs in the mirror <laughs> during the rest of this one. Listen. Oh, my God. He's really doing it. You ever try to listen to this song and just do the finger snaps? 
These things are not easy oh, to time Don't out. be gross. They're doing don't be gross. Uh, I'm, come on. My mother-in-law <laughs> listens to this. <laughs> First, Russell's teaching I'm, us the tinder hooks. Now you got to show us uh, your yeah. finger snaps. Oh, my God. I'm going to go put my, my tinder hooks next to the finger symbols over there. But I did. So I just want to say one thing that I've been thinking about about this song, and then you guys can edit this out if you want or not. I get into a YouTube rabbit hole late at night, as, as you guys know, and I was just... In the watching it, I was just watching an interview with Questlove talking about how D'Angelo was always telling him, like, no, 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 play further behind the beat. No, 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 further behind the beat. Play it drunk or play further behind the beat. And this whole album is in the pocket, on the beat. It's driving rhythms, it's mm-hmm. dancehall rhythms, it's reggae. And then this song happens, and all of a sudden, those finger snaps happen so far behind the beat. Like, D'Angelo is able to just stop time and it's a miracle that these two were able to get together on a song. They were supposed to do feels like making love or feel like making love on voodoo. And D'Angelo had to do it by himself. No one knows exactly why. Um, but it like, I just want to stop and appreciate the fact that these two absolute Titans of our time were able to do one song together because it's an absolute miracle of, of music in my mind. And we'll get into it. We'll get D'Angelo's coming up here pretty soon and we'll get into it, but it's almost like the drummer just like, slows down and it's like how long can i just hold that beat before actually and it's phenomenal you know it's great yeah it's great there's nothing else like it it. it's incredible it makes it very sonically interesting to to hear that i have to say now but neither but neither of them can sell knives they got no knife selling skills (laughs) whatsoever i'm not gonna lie rock your socks off i would buy a shit ton of (laughs) knives from (laughs) d'angelo He just sharp. He, he like sharpens the knife across his upper left ab the whole time. Like D'Angelo shows up and goes, "Vu, do you want to buy some knives?" Oh no, that's good. Did you guys, all right, everything is everything. This has a little known piano player at the time by the name of John Legend on it. There we go. That I had no idea about that. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, and in his interviews, right, he talks about how he was famous on his college campus for playing keys on Lauryn Hill's album, and then he went on to become John Legend. Also, I think it's, I don't know if she samples the Donny Hathaway track or not, but there's a Donny Hathaway song called Everything is Everything, so it's interesting that she's just using a previously named song for her for her song title. Are you just saying words now? Are you just comparing the title of Everything to other songs that have everything in it? No, like Donny Hathaway has a song called "Everything Is Everything." I'm just saying, like, like she's I, would she take a has theme. to know that. Who would take a theme because, and then like just you know make a whole list out of like a theme, like of one word out of a somebody points out. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's more to a podcast than just making up word jokes. Yeah, she's calling on that on purpose because we know she covered Roberta Flack on the score, right? So she knows Donny and Roberta. So I think she's making a callback too. Oh, we to, know that. We definitely know that. Yeah. We, we definitely know oh. we, she covered that. Killing oh Me Softly God. is a Roberta Flack song and Roberta Flack did duets with Donny Hathaway. That's we a lie. The, Russell, You're lying. I that. bought the album for a dollar. I've got a... Uh, <laughs> I'm in my garage. I can't go into my house. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't believe uh, you disrespect Lauren Hill like that by saying that she's unbelievable. She, yeah, I, I, mean, I wonder. Price. I wonder if she wasn't paying taxes on the revenue she made selling knives, and that's why she did three months in prison for tax evasion. <laughs> did she do three months? Yeah, three months, legit in yep. 2012. Ooh, yep. 
Yikes. The Beatles and the Tax Man came for her. Oh, no. This is the only time the Tax Man was ever a good song was right now. That's the same kind of joke I've been making this whole time, and you guys laugh at that like crazy. Listen, don't laugh at this, Aaron, but this is the titular track, uh, Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. This one's been running through my head. You this guys one are is so catchy. low class. It's the what track? <laughs> hit pause. Hit pause. Hold on. You... Yes. No, keep going. You just talk, Matt. Keep talking. Well, keep going. What song is this? Keep uh, it's going. It's the titular uh, album song. <laughs> keep going. You just keep going. No, we need to go back to the beginning of this album. Uh, by the if way, Matt sees, if Matt sees what time it is right now in this album, he's going to throw a shit fit. We got to keep going. Oh, yeah. I'm good. It's Saturday night, guys. We're good. <laughs> I got to say that listening to an hour and four minute long album after listening to two 40 minute albums in a row, this thing seemed to go on for an eternity. And what I realized is that in doing the research for this a little bit, I didn't realize these last two were actually hidden tracks. Bonus and they tracks, weren't actually. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't listed on the album. So that turns it more into like a 50-minute album, which would be a little bit more acceptable. Oh, this just, I mean, it's bangs. Yeah. Oh, no, it thumps. There's nothing it's a real thump. Oh, sorry. It thumps. It thumps. No, you can't say it's very whaley. <laughs> that doesn't work. Is this is this your favorite song on the album? What's your favorite song on the album, Matt and Aaron? Doo-wop. Mine's doo it's just it's uh, iconic. From Aaron, what's your favorite song? Uh, mine's nothing even matters, but I'm a D'Angelo stand, so that that you know. What about so you, Russell? Actually, obligated to say it. Was this your favorite yeah. song? <laughs> I think I like the. I think I love the commercial hits. I like the can't take my eyes off a few, and I love doo-wop. Well, the correct answer, by the way, is every ghetto, every city. Best song on there. Uh, mm. There's no wrong answer, man. There's no wrong answer. Tell him is the also third just hidden a, track is oof. is her take on baseball. It's a cover of Bob Newhart. You guys should check it out. It's fantastic. So there's there's four balls. Why four? Oh, meanwhile Do you wop? can hear somebody in the crowd Do being wop? like, "I want a diet coke and some fries, please." Like you can, <laughs> it's so wild. All right, tell him. So this was recorded for the Mel Gibson movie Conspiracy Theory, right? Like you hear her shout out the movie in the beginning of the track. Are you serious? Yes. At the opening, she says Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I have no idea. I love the track. Of all the stuff she talks about, and at the end she's like, you know who I got to get a real shout out to? Mel Gibson. No, I don't. I think I think the track was not supposed to be on the album. It was supposed to be for the soundtrack, and then they just threw it on the album. But I I love it. I love the lush harmonies. I love the like multi-layered. You know, anytime you hear Lauren's vocals, it's like. And now that we know we're probably never going to hear an album like this from her again, this is a treasure, right? Oh, I absolutely. This was really eye-opening to me how how much I enjoyed this. Again, I think it's a little long, and the skits really stressed me out and made me realize how fake it was that kids weren't making fun of the teacher all the time. (laughs) But uh, I have to say I enjoyed it. And I think with that, we should get to my very cool, already complimented rating section. Can, can we at least say before we get to the rating system, though, a little long and the skits get a bit annoying? It doesn't sound anything like what we've been doing on this podcast for weeks, right? <laughs> I you know what she needs to have is just a little bit of self-restraint. Sometimes you can think <laughs> things and not say them. Okay, Lauren Hill, take a little message from me. 
a guy who doesn't want to admit his name on Take the podcast in case somebody knows what to do. Just down to like a whale status. A little whaley status. <laughs> Guys, this, this album truly, truly thumps. So let's get our rating system here. We've got, is it rolling well-toned? It belongs to be 10th on the list. Is it rolling boned? Meaning it's too low on the list. Meaning it should have been a lower number. Uh, it got boned on the list making. Or is it a rolling groan? You did not like listening to this. It made you groan and not in a good way, Aaron. <laughs> He groans. Am I first? Is that what he, he, he groans in a he groans in a gross way that I don't like. Oh, All right, Russ, what's your final rating? I really enjoyed this album. I don't know. It was in the three hundreds or something before, and hearing that, it just boggles my mind how this could have ever been that low. Even you guys were talking about kind of the low points on the album, and even the low points to me, those songs are way better than some of the low points on the albums we've listened to so far. But I just wanted to share this quote that Lauren Hill had about this album with you guys. And this is what really stuck with me. Can I share it quick? Let's yes. The miseducation of Lauren Hill. It has a lot to do with how I figured out some things from my life. It doesn't necessarily mean miseducation like I didn't do well in school. But it has to do with figuring out about your aspirations and your dreams. And not those dreams and those aspirations that some might have for you. It's an album about movement and growth and inspiration. I want to encourage all those who are moving from one period to another, especially those graduating from one stage in their life to another, whether that be school or any life lesson in general. I encourage you to be strong, to be independent, to be positive, and to know that you can choose your own destiny and your own path. I just loved hearing that. Like sometimes we read these, you know, Bob Dylan doesn't say shit about his albums. Like that's just a beautiful <laughs> thought and it's something that people can take and use. So just from I it's love totally the music true. and I and I read that and it totally resonated with me. So rolling well tone. You know what? Lauren Hill's right. I'm gonna quit my job and do this podcast full time. All right. <laughs> yeah, Let's do it. Hey Rob, if you want to work for me and sell knives, I take thirty percent of what you make, but you will have a great life. Ten percent of everybody underneath you. That's a pretty big <laughs> cut. Yep, all right, so <laughs> cut. Uh, all right, so oh no, I guys, I'm going to say it again. I can't help it. Big cut. All hey, right, Rob, what? Rob, Rob, it. It's too bad you never got snipped back in the day that you got cut by one of those knives, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Snip is not something a knife does. Were you going around <laughs> telling people when you're selling these knives that they'll snip things? Oh, no. What a disaster. Your mother-in-law listens to this show, right? Yeah, well, actually, so I've been joking about that, but she did reference a birthday candles bit the other day. And Jenny was like, how do you know about that? I've never told you about that. And she said, uh, never mind. So even she was too embarrassed to admit to her own daughter that she listens to this podcast. That's how bad it is. My own mother-in-law will not listen to it. And then I immediately thought of about 10 jokes I made where I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, just to let you know, I did quit my job. And this is also the last episode of the podcast. It's been great working with you guys. Other 490 albums, not as good as this one. All right. So moving on. All right. Final rating, Aaron. What do you think? Yeah. When, I, when, when the new list came out, I was initially, I went through a roller coaster on this album because I love this album so much. I listened to it so much when it first came out. Uh, and I've had so much fun listening to it over the last week. Uh, but I initially thought, yeah, I'm stoked to listen to this again. It's definitely the, in the right spot. And then I started thinking like, this can't be better than, uh, it, I was thinking of it as a hip hop album. I was thinking it can't be better than Wu-Tang Enter the 36 Chambers. It can't be better than Fear of a Black Planet. It can't be better than Ready to Die. But um, listening over the last week, it's more than a hip-hop album. It's our first 
uh, entry on the list of albums that relate to uh, the Bob, Mar- Bob Marley sound, but it's so much more than that. And I know that this mm-hmm. album meant so much to so many people. Uh, and as Russell put it far better, better than I, uh, Lauren Hill um, just understood the human condition and was able to speak to everyone on top of being one of the great vocalists of our time and easily the one of the top five MCs of her era. So I would say Rolling Well Toned. Well, putting her in the top five of her era. That does not sound like the nicest compliment. Uh, but that's what I meant to say is nice work, Rosie. I'm going to edit out my slam on you right at the end of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I was nope, trying I to laugh, so guess what? No, I got to laugh. It stays <laughs> it's, got, it's back in, baby. People laughed at my joke of the joke. All right, so. Sorry, Aaron. You laughed at my you presentation? Suck. Yep, you got to buy those nines. All right. <laughs> well, that's a sale. Uh so here's the deal. I that's I think it's a good point though, Aaron, because this isn't a hip hop album. This is a lot like um, in uh, don't stay with me here. Stay with me. This is a lot like it's like his shoes in the Matrix. It's Neo Soul, and that's gonna be edited together. <laughs> so it sounds better. Turn your mic. Your, your, is any, can anybody else hear Rob? Is the microphone off again? <laughs> no, it's all going to be edited out. I think, it's, man, I think there's a Zoom issue. I think there's a Zoom issue. Yeah, all right. Breaking <laughs> up. We can't hear you. I just emailed my job. They will not hire me back. Okay, so uh, Matt, what's your final rating? Oh, I'm going to go absolutely. This is rolling boned. This is, uh, you know, this is, you put kind of the top two female albums that we've got on the list so far. This is up against Joni Mitchell, right? They both did everything from writing to producing to finishing to basically the whole thing. And I know Rosie, we're going to qualify, we're going to qualify that quantify it, qualify it by saying that there was some backup musicians that felt like they've got, uh, boned rolling, they got rolling boned. Um, I'm going to go with that. She was kind of the brains behind what happened and that they, you know, they, they were very good at their craft, but I think she came out, she's got a couple of, uh, um, marketable hits that that you know were out in the top 40 sphere where Joni Mitchell didn't and I think from a from just from a cultural aspect this album did way more than anything that Joni Mitchell's album did not to not to put it way underneath anything but I think these two albums could absolutely be switched where Joni Mitchell's still in the top 10 but I believe this is above it so I think she I think this album is definitely rolling boned I love it when uh, Matt and Aaron fight. Rob, what's your final ranking? I'm going to tell you for this album, I think this gets a rolling harmonization. Hey, guys, remember when back on the bully <laughs> people used to harmonize? I think it sounded a little something like this. Uh, <laughs> guys, what was that one that we really liked? That's not the one we liked. I'm not going <laughs> 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 to lie. That totally banged. And this has been back. <laughs> did it better? Tell me about it. Right. You, you got you got nine guys on each. Oh side. wait, this isn't the right yeah. song. I played the wrong. That's okay. That's my bad. Okay. My bad. Okay. Really when you want to hear about the greatest, that didn't even start fast. He's like, but you're just too lazy to look it up. Well, can't take it out now. It's too late. I can. I was like, who is that? Is that somebody at Matt's Garage laughing at our podcast? And then I realized, no, that would have to be better. All right. So there's literally no way I could edit that out.
I, I, I think just Jenny just cut off Rob's microphone with one of my yeah. Cutco knives that I sold her a few weeks back. I was going to say it would be funny if at the end Russ comes in and goes, cut. <laughs> <laughs>